Two Towns Over is a podcast where we explore the fascinating world of urban legends, conspiracy theories, and campfire tales to find out if there are any truths behind the legends. With dark humor and natural curiosity, we tackle the darkened streets of the town we all know. Welcome to the town with no name. This is Two Towns Over. Purpose. Yeah, pretty much. I got condoms of plenty, so <laughs> slowly but surely we're getting... My condoms! It's for pegging. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's to, actually to make sure you don't peg. Well, I think it's actually to make sure that you peg safely. Yeah. <laughs> so... Everybody's favorite Bo Burnham joke. Why are you wearing a condom if I'm fucking in the ass with a strap on? To be safe, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <that's... laughs> and on that note, good. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Hey, it's Don's birthday. It Yay. is. Happy birthday, Happy Don. Happy birthday, Don. It won't be by the time you hear this. You guys don't know what date it is, so <laughs> yeah. fuck you. How about mm-hmm. that? Yes. But, You'll never uh, be able to answer his security questions. A year. Yeah, well, within it, yeah. We're in a year. Yeah, we're in a year. It has mm-hmm. it has a number and all. Yeah. yeah. We'll forget the fact that we have referenced, like, fully. Fully. Like, they get it. Current events. They're going to know. <laughs> They're going to fucking do the math. <clears throat> We've oh. dated the show. It's over. Yep. They know. Let's, sometime during COVID, we'll say that. Yeah, that, has actually, <laughs> that actually obscures it quite a bit, Don. That actually... I actually read a thing today that said that by mid-January... Three that, years or something. Well, yeah, but no, but by mid-January, over 90,000 cases here in Florida, because the vast majority of the population of Florida will have caught COVID. Jesus Christ. You know, yeah. dude, I've still been lucky. I think it's just because I have the immune system of a rhinoceros. I've oh. gotten vaccinated twice, and I got a booster once. Yeah, me too. I, I, didn't, I didn't do the booster, but I got my, you got my double dose. motherfucker. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I didn't want... I got the 5G injection. I did well, not get the update. Some of you I'm, may notice that my voice is gone. Um, that's because we live COVID. in Georgia. I have the disease. <laughs> no, it's because I live in Georgia and it's usually hot, but then it got cold real fast one day Yeah, about three days ago and I lost my voice and I got the sniffles. So it happens, you know, <laughs> sorry, or you're welcome, depending on how it does for you. Yeah. You might get that like sultry. Get that good gravelly voice going. I don't think that that's how it works. You motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> that bleeding gums Murphy voice. Oh baby, so um, we're actually doing a two towns over. So oh, are we? Yeah, I yeah. don't even know what we're recording. I don't. Today. I have no idea. Yeah, anytime you guys should know that. I've by made now. mention, but nobody pays attention to me. I think you said Windigo. The Windigo. The Windigo. We okay, are talking good. About I the Windigo. No bits and pieces about the Windigo. Something about men shaped stuff. Man eating. Man. Man. Yeah, yeah. They. they, they man is a keyword. They're eaters of man for <laughs> yes. sure. So the Wendigo is a mythological creature or evil spirit which originates from the folklore of First Nations based in and around the East Coast Forest of Canada. So we're doing our first Canada 
legend today. Did we just get into the story? Did we just get into the story less than five minutes into the episode? I think so. Shut up, we're professionals. Holy fuck. We didn't introduce ourselves. Hi, I'm Don. (laughs) Oh shit, I'm Ruben. (laughs) I'm Josh, it's Don's birthday. Yay, okay. So the Great Plains, okay, so yeah, it's East Coast Forest of Canada, (laughs) the Great Plains region of the United States, and the Great Lakes region of the United States and Canada, grouped in uh, modern anthology as speakers of any people of the Algonquin family languages. So, hmm. Okay. Yeah. That was a lot of information. Yes. And I don't know what Algonquin means. Algonquin's a Native American tribe. Oh. In, in the in like, like the in like Canada. Yeah. Place. Yeah. Canada. Yeah. Up north great lakes. From us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. On that border of Canada, United States. That whole area. Okay. okay I didn't okay. realize the Wendigo legend was so. Is that Toronto localized. or Ontario? All across because it goes from the Great Lakes. Where all is the way. anything? <laughs> Canada's above us. We just need a map Heard. on the table for Mexico's <laughs> below us. Got it. Okay. Chile is below that. Yeah. Yeah. And so right. is Brazil. Right. Then you There's got a lot Antarctica. of other stuff below that. That's way down. Right? Yeah, way, That's down, way down, down there. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. And then if you keep going, then you got Africa. Where's Ooh. Greenland? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, the Wendigo is often said to be a malevolent spirit. Sometimes depicted as a creature with human-like characteristics, which possesses human beings. Now, the Wendigo is also known to invoke feelings of insatiable greed and hunger, the desire to cannibalize other humans, okay, as well as as the propensity to commit murder in those that fall under its influence. So it's a forest monster that made you kill your cousin and eat it and yeah. eat him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Word, but it There's... also can in. in uh, uh, what was the word? Don't know why I chose cousin for that. I was going to say brother, <laughs> but then that felt wrong. Yeah. It can also invoke like insatiable greed and insatiable hunger to where you can't okay. be satisfied. I like these because this is one of those where it's like, ah, trying to explain complex emotions with mythology. We yep. love it. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite depictions of the Wendigo is um, in Game Until Dawn. Mm-hmm. There's part of it in that I don't know if this is legitimate or not, but you become a Wendigo if you cannibalize somebody else under certain circumstances. That's what I was thinking. Of yeah, earlier. yeah. Great game, great game. Yeah. Just watch a playthrough. You don't have to. What play is it called? It. Until, Until Dawn. Dawn. Oh, I've, I've, I've. It's like an interactive horror film. It's really yeah, good. Basically, I feel like I've watched. Or I know of Until Dawn. I don't know. Well, if it's I've like our RT game on YouTube did a really good playthrough of it. It was yeah. fucking hilarious. I've seen really Markiplier good. do one and Jacksepticeye also. Oh, I'm it. sure. Yeah, it was, it was a big thing for streamers find, for a this while. This is a fair. Wow, great tangents right off the bat. We <laughs> but I have not get one at the beginning. Find, I had to shoehorn it in here. You know, I couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> I haven't been able to. So I was. I watched Game Grumps and like Markiplier and stuff for a long time, and then about a, before COVID. So however long ago that was. Many eons indeed. Many years ago. I kind of fell off of watching gaming yeah. on YouTube for a, for a cycle, which, you know, you sometimes do. But then when I tried to get back into it, I couldn't watch any of the same shit that I used to like. Yeah. Well, and the... I haven't been able to find any players that I vibe with anymore. That's fair. I can send you a couple of really good ones. Yeah. All the, all the best ones aren't American. That's fair. Yeah. Now, at odds with its portrayal in 20th century and 21st century settler culture, in indigenous representations, the Wendigo is described as a giant humanoid with a heart of ice. A foul stench or sudden unseasonable chill might precede its approach, possibly due to longtime identification by Europeans with their own superstitions about werewolves. 
For example, as all men- I can hear in my head is uh, Dragula. <laughs> yeah. Just I'm imagining a giant, <laughs> lanky ass human with an exposed heart of of just a giant block of yeah, ice. Right, I'm picturing glowing like, like the ethereally ice queen from Narnia, like her some crown. some yeah. type of shit like that on its head, and it's, there's just a mist and like a, a an uneasy feeling going ahead of it, and in the distance you just hear. Dig through the ditches and burn. <laughs> just, like, just slowly getting Dragula. louder. Like, oh fuck, it's either a Wendigo or Rob Zombie. Either way, run. <laughs> hey, I like Rob Zombie. You almost made me spit. Oh my god. <laughs> so, I even like Rob Zombie's movies. That's a hot take. Oh man, that is a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hollywood film representations often label human beast hybrids featuring antlers or horns with the Wendigo name. But such animals just keeps getting more metal. <laughs> <laughs> but such animal features do not appear in the original indigenous stories. Mm. In modern psychiatry, the Wendigo lends its name to a form of psychosis known as Wendigo psychosis, mm. uh, which is characterized by symptoms such as an intense craving for human flesh and an intense fear of becoming a cannibal. That's so. It's interesting to me. That that sounds like OCD almost. Wendigo starts out as a a legend that's used to explain a complex human emotion, like we were talking about before. It becomes the urban legend that it is. And then they use that urban legend to name an actual psychological condition. Yeah. Right. I think that's pretty cool. But, well, wait, hold on. So, um, okay, Wendigo psychosis is described as a cultural bound syndrome. Ooh, I'm going to just slow down, my guy. Wendigo. Not that Sa- slow, Don. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wendigo. Perfect. Yes, excellent. Wendigo, Rest of the show. Wendigo psychosis <laughs> is described as a cultural-bound syndrome. In some First Nation communities, other symptoms, such as insatiable greed and destruction of the environment, are also thought to be symptoms of Wendigo psychosis. That makes sense. In historical accounts of retroactively diagnosed Wendigo psychosis, so this is stuff that they mm-hmm. later mm-hmm. on said. Yeah, now like that they have they a name say for that it. such and such in the history was a narcissist or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Or that it that they were autistic, that they find yeah. out later in history because God knows they weren't diagnosing people right. back yeah. then. With a, with, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it has been reported that humans become possessed by the Wendigo spirit after being in a situation of needing food and having no other choice but cannibalism. In 1661... Wait, wait, wait. So you're saying that in the classic survival scenario that everybody does the hypothetical of when you're in a group at a campsite yeah. and you're like, hey, if we went out on the boat and like got lost, who are we eating first? Like That shit, if that happens for real... You just be a monster now? Yeah, you're going to yeah. become a Wendigo. Yeah, you'll have Wendigo psychosis. Basically, they're saying you taste human flesh, you're going to want it. Wild. Yeah. It's, it I don't can't even, be that good. It's supposed to taste <laughs> like I don't want to know. I it's, like bacon, but I that's do about not it. like bacon. I don't really eat pork I don't that do much. pork chops, so I don't think I'd be a good cannibal. Like, I don't understand. I, it's good. Pork mm. is good, whatever. But, like, mm. what the fuck? Sorry. We can't be that tasty. Mm. You never know. So in a book called the Jesuit in 1661, <laughs> a book called the Jesuit Jesuit Relations reported this. What caused us greater concern was the news that met us upon entering the lake, namely that the men dep- deputed by our conductor for the purpose of summoning the nations to the North Sea and assigning them a rendezvous 
where they were to await our coming, had met their death the previous winter in a very strange manner. Those poor men, according to the report given us, were seized with an ailment unknown to us, but not very unusual among the people we were seeking. They were afflicted with neither lunacy, hypochondria, nor frenzy, but have a combination of all these species of disease, which affects their imaginations and causes their, them a more than canine hunger. This makes them so ravenous for human flesh that they pounce upon women, children, and even upon men, like veritable werewolves, and devour them voraciously. You know, I miss the days when we used to say that people pounced. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think people it's pounce such an much anymore. Elegant way to describe something terrible. Yeah. When did like, people stop pouncing? <laughs> that don't is, do that. that. I don't know if that's okay. <laughs> don't we do that. Cut that out. It's <laughs> 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 good though. It was real good. I don't know if he's gonna leave that joke in, but if he didn't, it was real good. <laughs> you, should, you should just put a long beep over it and let oh, them wonder. Man, it was funny. Probably inappropriate though. Oh, shit. It was a mystery joke. No one will ever know. We'll see. Oh, my God. That with, caught me. That one got me. With, <laughs> without being able to appease or glut their appetite, ever seeking fresh prey, and the more greedily, the more they... Oh, yeah. And and the more greedily, the more they ate. That makes no sense. But it's Glut? Eight, it's I've never heard the word glut I've, before. I've heard gluttony. Yeah, me yeah. too. I'm I, sure there has to be glut a base word. is the verb. Yeah, yeah, I guess I've just glut. never heard it used like that. Yeah, I'm going to glut later. That's that sounds a sin. Glutton's going to glut. Give yeah. you the glut glut 3000. <laughs> That's somehow worse than the real one. <laughs> like It's the T. It's the T at the it's end. The it makes it so much oh. worse. So this That's el- like if you pronounce wet or yeah. hot or moist yeah. or t- tight. With a hard T at the end, yeah. it's real bad. I don't understand people's hatred of the word moist. Me uh, either. I think moist is a perfectly fine word. It even fine. just feels moist coming out of your mouth. Yeah. Moist is fine. When you say it weird, it gets a little weird. It's yeah. If so, but if, like it's if you're one talking thing, about a cake, yeah, yeah this cake a moist is so delicious. Cake is better than, than a dry cake. Yeah, but if you and hear... also pussy. But my joke was inappropriate. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? But see, you I'm hear sorry, someone come I into the room, bussy. and they go moist. Yeah, that's bad. That's bad. They're gonna hate this episode, <laughs> yeah. huh? We, we've got at least six viewers out there that are rubbing their fucking temples, or driving like. the car off a bridge. Oh my god! Depending on where they are, just flinching and yeah. jerking into the other lane oh, every no, time no. we say the word moist. So this ailment attacked our deputies, and as death is the sole remedy among those simple people for checking such acts of murder, they were slain in order to stay the course of their badness. Although in many recorded cases of Wendigo psychosis, the individual... Oh, by the way, we're out of the 1600 writing, so we're back to I, normal I English. I couldn't tell when you started speaking regular English yeah. again. <laughs> well, uh, we don't use the word glut anymore. So I do. We can. Oh, that's going to, from now on. There's nothing stopping us. Every card's against humanity. You're just going to scratch out whatever it says. Just write the word glut. (laughs) Yep. Moist glut. It's going Um, on the pig card. You all know what I'm talking about. uh, Although in many recorded cases of Wendigo psychosis, the individual has been killed to prevent cannibalism from resulting, some Cree folklore, Cree's another tribe. Mm -hmm. I knew that one. Okay. Recommends treatment by ingestion of fatty animal meats or drinking animal grease. 
those treated may sometimes vomit ice as part of the curing process. Oh. I don't think... What? That sounds... Painful and Horrific, bad. Also yeah. impossible. Well, we're in legend territory, so... Well, they have a heart made of ice. Yeah. It's got to pass the Here's the, the thing is, though, but, like, you know how ice is... Um, ice, yeah, it's and how solid. the human body is like <laughs> real hot on the I inside. I imagine you're you're like vomiting ice. No, it's not a human body anymore. It's a, uh, it feels like it is a mutated. I feel like yeah, it's the you're same heavily shit. mutated. It's like an X Men character. That's not all right. And I'm <laughs> I'm picturing like like shaved ice. Like ew. Yeah, <laughs> that's worse. I was thinking cubes. No like chunks of no, ice, like not not out of an ice tray. It's not like, like out of an ice tray, but like <laughs> like imagine you got one of those big bar cubes yeah. of ice, and uh-huh. then you just hit it one time with a hammer. Oh, uh, okay, that gotcha. See, yeah, I'm I'm picturing like what what they give you at the hospital, you know, mm. like yeah, exactly. No, you know the ones that are like they're a hollow cylinder the, of ugh. ice. Yeah, <laughs> the worst ice. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite ice. They're what? like little Jolly Ranchers. You're weird (laughs) i know you're wild that's how i live my life he's a crazy man folk everybody (laughs) you all know who's got the good ice it's the little tiny chunks that are chewable you know the ones ones okay the zaxby's the zaxby's ones yeah also uh sonic yeah sonic 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 got that good ice they actually have ice machines you can buy now that makes that ice they're like 600 700 it's stupid i'd subscribe to our Patreon, so we can get a Sonic ice machine. Oh my God! <laughs> You'll hear it Changing every episode. The just game. the sound of a Sonic oh, we're gonna, ice machine we're in the background. <laughs> and a special thanks to our Patreon subscribers. All right. So, a well-known case involving involving Wendigo psychosis was that of Jack Fiddler, an oh? OG Cree chief. I'm sorry, not OG. An OG Cree chief? Not OG like original gangster Cree. <laughs> oh, yeah? OJI. I'm, I'm thinking like OG, OG, OG. Kush. OG. Okay. The, uh, that, OG like, Cree? OG, OG Cree? Damn, okay. This man a thug and a native. Okay. <laughs> so the OG, we'll do it that way, OG Cree chief and medicine man known for his powers at defeating Wendigos. In some cases, this entailed, entailed killing people with Wendigo psychosis. Uh-huh. And as a result, in 1907, Fiddler and his brother Joseph were arrested by the Canadian authorities for homicide. Yeah, that's what that they were sense. doing. That it, was, out. it was, in fact, homicide. Yeah. It was definitely <laughs> homicide. Jack committed suicide, but Joseph was tried and sentenced to a life in prison. He ultimately was granted a pardon, but died three days later in jail before receiving the news of his pardon. What a fucking bitch. Wow. <laughs> wow. Three. That's a bitch. That Christ. sucks. Don't you think? So fast, like yeah, I really do think. <laughs> so, I fucking love Alanis Morissette, by the way. Guilty Pleasure, Josh Fact uh, right Ironically, now. Like, enjoy that song. Fucking yes. love that entire album. It's called Jagged Little Pill. That's the only, uh, that's the only one I know. Yeah, whole album, phenomenal. It's like rain on your wedding day. I just know that you ought to know is the only song that sounds. In, every other Alanis Morissette song uh, is like old folksy. Yeah, like '90s folk music, uh-huh. and then you got "You Ought to Know," which is like. Almost like yeah. no doubt. Yeah. Like, it's very 90s. It's amazing what Dave Couillet can do to women. So anyways. That is. Bare- <laughs> that, that was no. a that was Don. A what? <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. He's on. I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> we, we get references that appeal to so many different generations. There you go. <laughs> amazing. Yep. 
It's my favorite thing. I got your 70s, 80s, and 90s. You, you are not these... supposed to let people know how old you are, Don. <laughs> last week, you made the comment last week that you were, what'd you say, 19, 10 years ago? And I said, I was 37. I'm 103. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you All very right. much. So fascination with the Wendigo psychosis among Western ethnographers, We're psychologists, just bring up Don's and, age every now and again because you know it's his birthday. Yeah, and anthropologists <laughs> led to a holy debate controversy in the 1980s over the historicity of this phenomena. Phenomena. <laughs> Some researchers <laughs> argued that essentially Wendigo psychosis was a fabrication. The result of native anthropologists taking stories related to them in, at face value without observation. Others have pointed to a number what? of credible eyewitnesses. People didn't really do critical thinking about these things. <laughs> they what? don't now. Are you kidding me? They still don't. I you have QAnon because people don't think critically. <laughs> oh boy, I didn't actually. How did we get to. Wow. <laughs> You know, no, this no episode's got thinking. it all, folks. <laughs> Do you know how you play that game? Have you heard about that game with uh, Wikipedia? The that, clicking? The, the one clicking? where you just go down yeah. and try to find, like, Hitler or something? Yeah, and eventually you end up where you gotta go. That's how it is now. Everything we talk about now, eventually... It's QAnon. We'll get to we'll QAnon. We'll get to QAnon. It all boils yeah. down to fucking QAnon. <laughs> so, um... Isn't it ironic? <laughs> Others yeah, I really do think... Others have pointed to a number of credible eyewitness accounts, both by Algonquins and others, as evidence that Wendigo psychosis was a factual historical phenomenon. Phenomenon. We're going to do that every time. <laughs> every I single goddamn every... time, B. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. our, that's another PCPP. We're going to be right that's, Yep. So, <laughs> every single time here on out. Yeah. God way, help PCPP, us today. PCPP, we... how you doing after the holidays, bud? Yeah. Yeah. I hope, uh, we hope, I hope we you hope got you found some everything you wanted for was cool. Christmas, except for PCP. What you Josh don't need said. it. <laughs> the frequency of Wendigo psychosis cases. Wendigo, oh my gosh. It does Wendigo make s- psychosis cases. Sorry. It does make sense, though, that we were talking about how there's an argument over whether this thing was real or not. Because it feels like one of those things that humans would argue over of like... Is it a mental problem, or are these people just fucking criminals? Like, you know what I mean? It's like that that debate of, like, are they just debased, or are they, like... And then you get the whole new breed of criminals that are like, being criminals because they're killing what they think are fucking Wendigos. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's like, I think you were just going to kill someone, either way. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like, like you know, did, did that person eat somebody? Because if they did, that's fucked up. But also... You could have just put them on. You could have just killed them for that as a group community, right? Yeah, like especially back in the day, like you know what I'm saying. Like we're talking original native folklore type shit. Like this is it would make sense to me that a tribal culture would have like you know harsher punishments for shit like that. Oh, definitely. Yeah, but then some of them were cannibalistic as part of their culture too. That's fair. Very few and far between, but it there were a couple. I don't know their names off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking about how how straight how it makes sense to me that you know it's it is it does sound like a real mental health disorder. Like you know, oh sure. There's so many of like OCD has that that compulsive thought mm-hmm. pattern thing that is sounds very similar to the craving and yet fearing. 
the taste of human flesh. Right. You know? It's like very similar to the OCD style of like the thought is happening, but you hate that the thought is happening. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the frequency of Wendigo psychosis cases decreased sharply in the 20th century as Boreal Algonquin people came into greater and greater contact with European ideologies and more sedentary, less rural lifestyles. In his 2004 treatise, Revenge of the Wendigo, on disorders and treatments of the behavioral health industry in the United States and Canada that are particular to indigenous people, James D. Waldrum wrote, No actual cases of Wendigo psychosis has ever been studied. And Lou Marano's scathing critique in 1985 should have killed off the cannibal monster within the psychiatric annals. The Wendigo, however, continues to seek revenge for this attempted scholarly execution by periodically duping unsuspecting passersby, like psychiatrists, into believing that the Wendigo psychosis not only exists, uh, but that a psychiatrist could conceivably encounter a patient suffering from this disorder in his or her practice today. So they're trying to give them confirmation bias, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wendigo psychosis may well be the most perfect example of the construction of an aboriginal mental disorder by the scholarly professionals. Wait, a- aboriginal? Isn't that... Ab- I think aboriginal is like also kind of like Native American. It's like another word for... That, that's Australian. Yeah, aborig- yeah, aborigines. Yeah. But I think the word aboriginal can mean okay. native. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Um. And its persistence dramatically underscores how constructions of the Aboriginal by these professions have, how constructions of the, I'm sorry, of the Aboriginals by these professions have, like Frankenstein's monster. It is a synonym for indigenous. Oh, heard. Great. I learned something today. I hope you did too, listeners. We'll forget the fact that we've been talking about Wendigo psychosis for 25 fucking minutes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that you stated before you didn't know existed, but if you want to say that Aboriginal is the one thing you fucking learned today, then fuck you. You finished the show. Happy birthday, Don. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> he does it with such a straight face, folks. It's just beautiful to behold. The 10th revision of the International Statistical Classification of Disease and Related Health Problems, which is a awesome book to read. I just, I got to tell you. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> the title alone put me to sleep. So I can't remember half of the words you just I was, said. I was going to say, I bro, hate book so titles long. that take up the entire cover. <laughs> I don't like book titles that remind me of Fall Out Boy songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, we Kills had that me. talk a couple we episodes did. ago yeah. or whatever, but like, same so, shit. That book that I just read the title for classifies Wendigo as a cultural specific disorder, describing it as rare historic accounts of cannibalistic obsession. Symptoms include depression, homicidal or suicidal thoughts, and a delusional compulsive wish to eat human flesh. That. Some controversial... Two out of three. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like I'm waffling back and forth on this. Whenever we get to the end, I guess I'll know what's up. But like, it feels like I'm agreeing that it could be a real thing that somebody suffers from. Maybe we don't call it Wendigo thing. Maybe we call it... OCD or schizophrenia, it probably fits somewhere within a different disorder that's more established. But also, native only doesn't feel correct to me. I don't know that that it's possible for one group of people to to have a specific mental disorder just all to for them. You know what I mean? 
Uh, it's, well, I think that's basically just... Th- this was written by who? Again, real quick. Uh, he was a person. Um, hold on. Somebody in the 80s, I thought. We were in the 80s. At no, this, we're, this, was, this doesn't say who wrote it. It was... You're going to make me read the fucking title again. <laughs> International <laughs> Statistical Classification of Diseases and Related Health Problems. I can't remember it at all. I, I feel like they're they're <laughs> just trying to shove all of this onto the natives as a as an excuse to further oppress them yeah. at the time. That's that's what it feels. And like And I'm not to me. saying that generational or cultural trauma is not real. Oh, I'm sure. black. I get it. I'm just <laughs> saying, like, I don't think black people get schizophrenia and white people get depression. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. You can't hoard all of like, Wendigo syndrome to yourself. Either your brain can fuck up in a way that a human brain can fuck up, or it doesn't fuck up. That's it. You don't get to just be. You don't get to just put that on somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Like right. you don't just get to say, "Well, you're a native," which means only you can suffer from this. Oh my god! If I we do cannibalism, it's different. Players. Like no. <laughs> So, uh, some controversial new studies question the syndrome's legitimacy, claiming cases were actually a product of hostile accusations invented to justify the victim's ostracism or execution. Also could be true. Yeah. Now, the Wendigo is part of the traditional belief system of a number of Algonquin-speaking peoples, including the Ojibwe, the Salto, the Cree, the Naskapi, and the Innu. Although descriptions can vary somewhat, common to all of these cultures is the view that the Wendigo is a malevolent, cannibalistic, supernatural being. They were strongly associated with winter, the north, coldness, famine, and starvation. And Dragula by Rob Zombie. (laughs) Dragula. Basil H. Johnston. I guess this would be Basil H. Johnston. Basil. 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 Uh, Basil H. Johnston, an Ojibwe teacher and scholar from Ontario. That is such a cool word. Can you say it again? Ojibwe? Yeah. <laughs> gives the, Ruben's face. He was so happy. <laughs> gives a description of the Wendigo. So this is actually what a Wendigo looks like. Okay. The Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation. Mm-hmm. Its desiccated skin pulled tightly over its bones. Mm-hmm. With its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion, the ash gray of death. Like Joaquin Phoenix and Joker. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and or Christian Bale. No, who was the dude Christian in the piano Bale. man? Yeah. The mechanic, uh, oh. you mean? The, no, no, no. The mechanic, yes, but yeah. also the piano man, the Jewish one. The uh, piano player, the pianist. Pianist. The piano man. Uh, Not that it? one. What's That's this? Billy Joel. Uh, Adrian, Adrian Brody. <laughs> Adrian Brody uh, in The Pianist. Um, he said penis. Um, penist. So its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets. The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody. Zelda re-dead. Ocarina of Time. Done. (laughs) Okay. There you go. Uh, Unclean and suffering from a superation of the flesh, the Wendigo gave off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition. And if it screams, you get paralyzed for about three seconds. In, you're going to love it. In Ojibwe, Eastern Cree, West Main Swampy Cree, Nescapi and Innu lore, Wendigos are often described as giants that are many times larger than human beings. Okay, except for that last part, I think all of that just describes me when I was single. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, a characteristic... Checks out. A char- uh, yeah, the, the giant thing is a characteristic absent from myths in other Algonquin cultures. Whenever a Wendigo ate another person, it would grow in proportion to the meal it had just eaten, so it could never be full. Therefore, Wendigos are portrayed as simultaneously gluttonous and extremely thin due to starvation. 
that's a really cool mechanic. I yeah. like that. That is kind of cool. Yeah. That is, like, not only is it, like, in a lot of Greek mythology, it's like, at this point, it's always just like, and he could never be full because he was in hell. Right, yeah. But, like, Hades, whatever, fuck you. The underworld. The I underworld. You get angry at nobody. I, the audience, <laughs> man. I know how Twitter. No, he just hears, he knows that I there's that the one fan tweets. out there that's like, well, actually. And they're like, well, actually. Yeah, bitch, well, actually, your face. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. There's definitely one person every time who opens their mouth out loud in their car to correct Ruben, and he goes, you know what? No, fuck you. And they're like, oh, shit, okay. I actually <laughs> did appreciate the one correction we had so far. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, as long as you're, you know, polite about it, it's cool, whatever. We Just get don't it. say, um, actually. If you sound anything you say, like um, Adam Ruins actually, everything. We have to, we will have to cancel our show. Adam Conover. Uh, he's, he's pretty great. I like Brendan Lee Mulligan. I like that whole um, the Wendigo is seen as embodiment of gluttony, greed, and excess. Oh, sorry. I never even finished. What yeah. I meant to say was like, it's just magically you can never be full. I like that in native cultures, there's always a reason. Like, why can it never be full? Yeah. Because it always grows to accommodate that meal and is thus just as empty as it was before. Right. That's wild and cool. That's all I want to say, sorry. Okay. Now, the Wendigo is seen as the embodiment of gluttony, greed, and excess. Never satisfied after ki- after killing and consuming one person, they are constantly searching for new victims. Now, in some traditions, humans overpowered by greed could turn into Wendigos. Now, the myth thus served as a method of encouraging cooperation and moderation. Other sources say Wendigos were created when a human resorted to cannibalism to survive. Humans could also turn into Wendigos by being in contact with them for too long. Oh, really? So I guess yeah. if you're just, if you can't go out for drinks with a Wendigo, or you will become no. a Wendigo, won't it just eat you? you? Well, I don't know. If you if you keep pointing it to other people, also somehow dude, he's fatter. Yeah. <laughs> also somehow, right now, I'm picturing the Wendigo as old Greg because it sounds so friendly. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't know who old Greg is. No. I'm old Greg. You ever drank Bailey's out of? Do a you sheet? love me? No. I mean, say you love me. I love you. <laughs> okay. Uh, among the Assiniboine, the Cree, and the Ojibwe, a satirical... I have a mangina! <laughs> a satirical Sorry, ceremonial that was the dance last one. That was the last one. is sometimes performed during times of famine to reinforce the seriousness of the Wendigo taboo. And you know what? I may mispronounce this, but I don't give a fuck. Uh, the ceremony, known as the Wendigukazankimowin, I have yep. no notes. Okay. Was, Go perf- on. <laughs> was performed during times of famine. Um, if someone knows the actual pronunciation of that, you're going to have to actually... Send us a voice message on go. Facebook. There you go. Yep. Um, the last known... Yeah, okay. So it was performed during times of famine. is actually going to do it too, and I'm going to have to listen to it. <laughs> and involved wearing masks and dancing backwards around a drum. The last known Wendigo ceremony conducted in the United States was at the Lake Wendigo of Star Island of Cass Lake. That's a game. That's three games in a row. Wendigo Island. Star Island is a real Nintendo game. Yeah. And oh, what sure. was the last thing? Cass Lake. Cass Lake is a, that's a Zelda place for <laughs> sure. It, yeah. Because, I mean, there is Cass. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's my ringtone. Like, what? And this place is located within the Leech Lake Indian Reservation in northern Minnesota. Yet that's another a, video game. Start a, writing these that's down a for our D&D game. campaign. <laughs> Location, for sure. Write that down. Write that down. 
one of the more famous cases of Wendigo psychosis. Now we're actually getting into the true crime part of the episode. Oh, nice. Yes. Hey, I've missed this. (laughs) (laughs) One of the more famous cases of Wendigo psychosis reported involved a Plains Cree trapper from Alberta, Canada, named Swift Runner. During the winter, I love Native American names. So good. During the winter of 1878, Swift Runner and his family were starving, and his eldest son died. 25 miles away from emergency food supplies at a Hudson's Bay Company post, Swift Runner butchered and ate his wife and five remaining children. Wow. That <laughs> went from zero to 100 Jesus. real yeah. fucking quick. Yeah. Uh, given that he resorted to cannibalism so near to food supplies and that he killed and consumed the remains of all of those present, it was revealed that Swift Runners was not a case of pure cannibalism as a last resort to avoid starvation, but rather a man with Wendigo psychosis. He eventually confessed and was executed by authorities at Fort Saskatchewan. Ruben's reaction to this stuff often reminds me that my reaction should be more severe than it is because you're like, he butchered and ate the rest of his family. And I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, no, and no, Ruben's no. like, just, what the fuck? I wasn't <laughs> expecting the rest of the family because you set it up with his son had just died. Right. So I'm expecting they're 25 miles away from a food source. Oh, it's a very hard decision. Let's eat our son, I guess, is what I was thinking. And I was preparing myself for that level of horrible. And then this man just goes ape shit. I just and watch and listen whole to fucking so much true crime that like <laughs> nothing you can say phases me. I'm like, oh, yeah, brutal multi-cannibalistic murder. That's a par um, for the course. The whole the whole <laughs> fam, though. 25 miles, G, you could do that in a day. Like, so, um, especially if you're a family lighter. Yeah, it's like on some Donner Party type shit. So you're going to have to forgive me. Uh, I didn't mean to do this, but I've missed an entire section. I don't have to do shit. No. So we'll have to come back to Swift Runner. All right. Cool. Uh, okay. Uh, I do apologize. Maybe that's why it went from zero to 100. Good wool. <laughs> <laughs> now, in addition to denoting a cannibalistic monster from certain traditional folklore, some Native Americans also understand the Wendigo conceptually. As a concept, the Wendigo can apply to any person, idea, or movement infected by a corrosive drive towards self-aggrandizing greed and excessive consumption. As Politicians. in you caught the Wendigo? Yeah. Word. yeah. Uh, traits that sow disharmony and destruction if left unchecked. Ojibwe scholar Brady DeSanti asserts that the Wendigo can be understood as a marker indicating a person imbalanced both internally and toward the larger community of human and spiritual beings around them. Out of equilibrium and estranged by their communities, Individuals thought to be afflicted by the Wendigo spirit unravel and destroy the ecological balance around them. Chippewa author Luis Eldridge. Chippewa, uh, also very good. Uh, I know that from that song. My baby, she's a Chippewa, half Cherokee and Choctaw. No, I'm an Indian outlaw. I'm an Indian outlaw, half Cherokee and Choctaw. My baby, she's a Chippewa. She's a one of a kind. It's really a white person. Song. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Yeah, it is. It's like hardcore country. <laughs> yeah, at some point in this episode, we gotta, we're gonna have to talk about how, uh, hey, like seventy some odd percent of y'all who think you have Cherokee princess in your ancestry yeah. or some shit. First of all, Native American princesses, not a thing. Second <laughs> Just of all, the chief's daughter. Uh, if you have Cherokee in your family and you are white, 
probably not a good thing. If you have Cherokee in your family and your family is mixed, I believe you. But about 70% of y'all just had an ancestor who lied. <laughs> that is provable. Like well, It also has to do with the, I've mentioned it before, but the lesser known part of genocide where you breed them out. That's basically. what I'm talking about. It's yeah. like if you look white and you do have Cherokee in your DNA, it was probably sinister. Yeah. It, like it to, wasn't to something to brag least, about. It was it's probably not something sinister. to be proud of. It's mm-hmm. something that your ancestor did that was fucking horrible. So that Chippewa author, Luis Eldridge's novel, The Roundhouse, winner of the National Book Award, depicts a situation where an individual person becomes a Wendigo. The novel describes its primary antagonist, a rapist who violent, whose violent crimes desecrate a sacred site as a Wendigo who must be killed because he threatens the reservation's safety. In addition to characterizing individual people who exhibit destructive tendencies, the Wendigo can also describe movements and events with similar negative effects. According to Professor Chris Shedler, the figure of the Wendigo represents consuming forms of exclusion and assimilation, which groups dominate other groups. Oh, okay, hold on. I just want to make sure I'm keeping up. So we're saying that the concept of Wendigo is just anything that threatens to destroy the community or the environment? Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah. Um, this application allows Native Americans to describe colonialism and its yeah. agents as Wendigos, yep. since the process of colonialism ejected natives from their land and threw the natural world out of balance. Yep. DeSanti points to the 1999 horror film Ravenous as an illustration of the argument equating the cannibal monster to American colonialism and manifest destiny. Yep. I wasn't going to take it there, but I'm glad <laughs> hey, you did. Hey, you know what? I'm, I was gonna. <laughs> yeah. If he didn't, I was. A, I had a feeling, but yeah. like, uh, yep. Now, this movie features a character who articulates that expansion brings displacement and destruction as side effects, explaining that Manifest Destiny and Western expansion will bring thousands of gold-hungry Americans over the mountains in search of new lives. This country is seeking to be whole, stretching out its arms and consuming all it can, and we merely follow. For more detailed exploration linking Wendigo attributes to colonialism, see Jack D. Forbes' 1978 book Columbus and Other Cannibals, which was an influential text in the American Indian movement. Hmm. Now, as a concept, Wendigo can apply to situations other than some Native American-European relations. It can serve as a metaphor explaining any pattern of domination by which groups subjugate and dominate or violently destroy and displace. Joe Lockhart, English professor at Arizona State University... I thought that was Harry Potter's second year defense against the Dark Arts... (laughs) That's Gilderoy Lockhart. Oh, right, right, right. They really just cycle them out like uh, <laughs> coaches as history teachers. English professor. It's true. So, <laughs> it's Joe, exactly what it is. Joe Lockhart, English professor of Arizona State University, argues that Wendigos are agents of social cannibalism who know no provincial or national borders. All human cultures have been visited by shape-shifting Wendigos. Their visitations speak to the inseparability of human experience. National identity is irrelevant to this borderless horror. Lockhart's idea explains that Wendigos are an expression of a dark aspect of human nature, the drive toward greed, consumption, and disregard for other life in the pursuit of self-aggrandizement. 
and we're just going to ignore the elephant in the room. We're going to move on. <laughs> Romantic scholar and documentarian Emily Zarka, also a professor at Arizona State University, observes that two commonalities among the indigenous cultures of Algonquin language family speakers are that they are situated in climes where harsh winters are frequent and may be accompanied by starvation. Yeah. She states that the Wendigo symbolically represents three major concepts. It is the incarnation of winter, the embodiment of hunger, and the personification of selfishness. Mm -hmm. I love all the symbolism. Yeah. Although distinct from how it appears in the traditional lore, one of the first appearances of a character inspired by or named after a Wendigo in non-Indigenous literature is Algernon Blackwood's 1910 short story, The Wendigo. Joe Nazare wrote that Blackwood's subtly demonizing rhetoric transforms the Wendigo from a native myth into a descriptive template for the Indian savage. Jeez. Good Lord. We got there. We (laughs) fucking got there. You didn't expect for the true crime in this one to be American colonialism, did you? (laughs) But it is. Blackwood's work has influenced many of the subsequent portrayals in mainstream horror fiction. By the way, for our conservative listeners, um, do not at me. Because I will fucking find you. Do you understand me? <laughs> um, August. We don't have any anymore. <laughs> August Douglas, the thing that walked on the wind. I, I, hold on. On some real shit. I appreciate all of our listeners. But if you don't see how and why changing the Wendigo from Native American folklore into anti-Native propaganda is a bad thing. I don't have anything to say to you or for you. So don't listen to me speak. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, August Durlis, The Thing That Walked on the Wind, and Nathakwa, which in turn inspired the character in Stephen King's novel Pet Cemetery, where oh. it was a personification of evil, an ugly grinning creature with yellow-gray eyes, ears replaced by ram's horns, white vapor coming from its nostrils, and a pointed decaying yellow tongue. Man, this story and really it, touches everything. We, we've, even, we've even gotten to Stephen King yeah. out of this. Yeah, this yeah, is the great. Was this is great. Stephen King, somebody with his own set of issues. <laughs> Stephen King, who owns a house on Amelia Island, by the way. I don't know if that's still true or not. Oh, it's possible he sold it's it. It's possible. I'd, Oprah had one. I, ca- she, I, kinda, I don't think she does anymore. I kind of want to rob it. Like, I kind of want to burgle Stephen King's house. Stephen King did some crazy shit in the eight. He's like a he's like the Robert Downey Jr. of novels, is yeah. what Stephen King did. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. I, I kind of except that he's less woke now than Robert Downey Jr. is. That's true. I just kind of want to like I want to do it just to say I did it. Like yeah, this hurricane came through and they evacuated the island and I broke into Stephen King's house. I just want to go in there and take some pictures and then. Right, yeah. I don't even know if I want yeah, to take anything. I don't want anything yeah. from you. I maybe, just maybe want to a take pin. some pictures. Maybe a pin just for the symbolism. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. To take a pin from Stephen <laughs> Put it King. Put a shadow box in my house. Or like a... Or like a... Or like... A ream of paper? No. No, no, no. It'd have to be like a paperweight or something. No, it's like true, a desk true. item. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, something like that you know you're not like putting him out of a lot. Right. Like I want him to come into his house like, and be like, I don't want to fuck like, up oh, your feng shui, but I definitely want... <laughs> that stapler like, like somebody burglarized my house got doesn't look like they took anything i'm gonna take your whole where's my goddamn stapler right. where's my goddamn stapler my fucking paperweight god damn it <laughs> that was my favorite one so these works set a template for later portrayals in popular culture at times even replacing the native american lore not cool 
In an early short story by Thomas Pynchon, Mor Mortality and Mercury in Vienna, first published in 1959, the plot centers around a character developing Wendigo syndrome and going on a killing spree. A character by the, inspired by the Wendigo appears in American comic books published by Marvel Comics. Created by the writer Steve Englehart and artist Herd Tem Tempe, or Trimpy, sorry, the monster is the result of a curse that afflicts those who commit acts of cannibalism. It first appeared in The Incredible Hulk, number Sorry, 162. I just got to say this, because every time you've said it, it's popped into my head if, of, like, it affects those who have already succumbed to cannibalism. Right. I got to say that it truly just sounds like they're being like, yeah, Bob, he tasted some flesh, and now he can't get enough. Apparently, it's fucking delicious. <laughs> like, <laughs> it sounds as though it's like, it's like the... It's like Lay's. It's I was like, what you pop, you cannot stop. fucking like, wavelength. Like, it's I was like just, wild you got to how it close before those, me. that is. You got to it before me. I was just waiting for you to finish talking. I was going to be like, humans, you can't have just one. You can't have just one. <laughs> Without explicitly using the term, the 1995 novel Solar Storms by Chickasaw author and poet Linda K. Hogan both explored the mythology of the Wendigo and used the creatures as a device to interrogate issues of independence spirituality and politics an individual individual's relationship with the family and as a metaphor for corporate veracity exploitation and power viewed as a form of cannibalism holy shit are wendigos the most influential urban legend of all time uh, maybe i don't know i would say that's probably santa claus but you know or jesus uh, more <laughs> more like cryptid yeah probably right. the most influential cryptid like yeah. tied with mothman or bigfoot Oh, shit. probably Bigfoot. Yeah, no, Bigfoot. that's just He's big not in the America. Most influential. No, it's influential. The, uh, it influenced a it's whole lot of really an, bad TV shows. It's definitely either like <laughs> Native American or Greek. Yeah. yeah. You know, something like that. Other creatures based on the legend or named for it appear in various films and television shows, including Dark Was the Night and Ravenous. Television series include Teen Wolf, Supernatural, Blood Ties, Charmed, Grimm, and Hannibal where an FBI profiler has reoccurring dreams or visions of a Wendigo that symbolize the titular character's cannibalistic urges. If you have prophetic dreams about an ice heart monster, put that man in chains and don't ever let yeah. him out of his cage. This is where it gets funny. But a then if you sit by the cage too often for too long at a time, you'll be exposed to him and you'll become you a Wendigo. You shall become like him. <laughs> a Wendigo appears... And enjoying Chianti. A Wendigo appears in My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Holy shit. The episode Hearth's Warming Eve, and in the DuckTales Christmas special, Last Christmas, in which the creatures are described as poor souls turned into monsters by obsession and desperation. It makes sense for DuckTales for the greed thing. That makes sense. Scrooge McDuck might sure. have some... That's yeah, fine. absolutely. But I'm sorry, My Little what now? My Little Pony. We over here eating horses? <laughs> Oh, no. We over here turning each other into glue, my dog? <laughs> Desperately need more context. Fully. <laughs> there is none. Fuck, uh, that's not true. episode. A Wendigo also appears in the 2020 horror film The Retreat. The aforementioned 2015 horror survival game Until Dawn by Supermassive Games features Wendigos hey. as the main antagonists. Wrist, the 2016 debut novel by Canadian He's horror... caught us, man. He knows us too well, Yeah, now. I know. Yeah, <laughs> He's like, is this related to video games? Because I know Josh, Josh is going to open his fucking mouth. I bet he fucking does. <laughs> uh, um, 
Uh, yeah, Risk, the 2016 debut novel by Canadian horror fiction writer Nathan Negan Newton Adler. Yes, Nathan. Maybe it's Nigan, N-I-I-G-A-N. Nigan Newton Adler. Nathan Nigan Newton Adler. Yep. Yeah. Uh, was based on the story of the Wendigo. In the 2018 role-playing game Fallout 76 by Bethesda Game Studios, Wendigos are featured as one of the cryptid enemies found in the area of Appalachia. Yeah, there's a whole lot of fun cryptid shit because it, um, it takes place in West Virginia. Yeah, and only true gamers know. <laughs> like you can you can see a couple different variations of no, Mothman. You know one of fuck them's true friendly. Gamers only fake gamer girls know. Because <laughs> fuck all. Also, y'all. apparently, this is what Wendigos look like in My Little Pony. I'm sorry. No, no, <laughs> that is that is spirit. The goddamn stallion. That's what that is. Okay. Yeah. No, that's not a, a Wendigo. It's a fairy horse. In the 2021 film Antlers by Scott Cooper, Frank Lucas' father transforms into a Wendigo, which is portrayed as a deer-like creature with a glowing heart that moves from person to person with a never-ending hunger. Guillermo del Toro, producer of the film, developed the Wendigo on the basis that the more the creature eats, the more it gets hungry, and the more it gets hungry, the weaker it becomes. Now, So it eats itself to, to starvation. Death. Yeah, basically. That's fucking awesome. So now... That's cool, too. Guillermo, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo? Yeah. Why can I not pronounce his name? I don't know. I don't Guillermo. Know. Gu- Guillermo. 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 You gotta roll. You gotta roll. I tried. It didn't help. <laughs> Del, Toro Del Toro is an amazing, like his set designer. So whoever the fuck good he gets on his shit, on point. Monsters. Every time. Yeah. I'm so good at monsters. I'm still waiting for him to do the Disney Haunt, uh, Haunted Mansion movie he promised. Ooh, that'd be good. Ago. That'd be really good. So now we finally get to the story of Swift Runner. Too scary for Disney. But and I'm still good. waiting for Childish Gambino and Chance the Rapper to release a full album together, but It'll it's not gonna happen. Didn't he retire or some shit after the I last album? I thought he said he was gonna, but th- I thought he meant he was gonna do one more after that album, but it's not related to Wendigos. Anyway. So, <laughs> half of what we talked about today is not related to Wendigos. <laughs> hey, no, we've we done well today. We've, we've, done, to... we've done better than usual today. We, we have, actually. We've done pretty good. <laughs> so Swift Runner was a Cree Indian who lived during the last century, uh, which actually last last century now. Um, so we're talking 1800, 1800s. 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 Yeah. In what is now central Alberta, Canada. Okay. His background seemed not unusual. As a young man, he received a solid, useful Cree education. He married and had a family of six children. He traded with the Hudson's Bay Company, and in 1875, he served as a guide for the Northwest Mounted Police. Mm -hmm. Swift Runner was a Cree hunter and trapper from the country north of Fort Edmonton. He was a big man, a striking six foot three, with a strapping build. And what one policeman called as ugly and evil looking a face as I have ever seen, though he was well liked. Wow. Has he never met like, Ann Coulter? Ha- okay, I'm sorry. That personifies police so well. Big, dark, ugly man. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. He's well liked, which means he probably was not ugly and he probably was not mean. Like, yeah. He was mild and trustworthy, a considerate husband. And there we have it. And very fond of Until his he murdered his pa- kids and stuff. All of these traits endeared him to his people and to the traders of the Hudson's Bay Company. Now, Swift Runner was well known around Fort Saskatchewan settlement and had once been known as, a smart, as smart and trustworthy, a reputation that won him a job 
as the guy as a guide for the Northwest Mounted Police. But as one newspaper story would later point out, his contact with the white men, however, ruined him. Oh boy, I I wonder how that could have happened. That ruination came in part from an inordinate fondness for the whiskey that was smuggled into the area disguised uh, as medicine. Oh my god. Jesus. Okay. Okay. All right, listen. We don't have time <laughs> to get into that, but just want to say disguised as medicine just for posterity again, just <laughs> twice. Disguised as medicine. Okay, continue. Sorry. Swift Runner was known to be an ugly customer to meet when on a spree. So ugly that some called him the terror of the whole region. Damn. The police sent Swift Runner back to his tribe, where he caused so much trouble, he turned the Cree camps into little hells, and was eventually Jesus. turned out from his community altogether. Damn. Retreating to the wilderness with his wife, mother, brother, and six children. Thanks, white people. <laughs> the police started to hear stories in the spring. A Cree chief said Swift Runner had, quote-unquote, turned cannibal, and a hunter reported that Swift Runner's entire family had been killed in the woods. Oof. But a squad of officers who went out to investigate couldn't find Swift Runner or his family. Yeah, a Native American hunter who's lived in that area only learning how to hunt his whole life. You're never going to find him. <laughs> no, that he's gone. Instead, Swift Runner went to the police himself. Holy oh. shit. <laughs> wow, okay. You know I said uh, zero to a hundred a while ago? We've hit... 110. At least 130. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, he told them that his wife had committed suicide and the rest of the family had died of starvation. But the officers noticed that Swift Runner didn't look underfed. The prisoner arrived at our camp. This is the quote. The prisoner arrived at our camp in the spring and did not look very poor or thin or as if he had been starving, one noted. When he could not give a satisfactory account of their whereabouts, he, his in-laws became worried. They decided to tell the Northwest Mounted Police, who had then been in the West for just five years. Inspector Sever Gagnon mm -hmm. was given the task of investigating Swift Runner's behavior. He and a small party of policemen accordingly trekked out to the trapper's camp. Swift Runner obligingly showed the mounted policeman a small grave near his camp. He explained that one of his boys had died and was buried there. Gagnon and his detachment, uh, it's G-A-G-N-A-O-N. G G-A-G-N-O-N. Yeah, and we're talking about French Canadians. Gagnon. 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 Gaston, obviously. Yeah. Gagnon and his Same detachment guy. opened the grave. He and three dozen eggs or whatever the fuck. They, his detachment opened the grave and found the bones undisturbed. That, however, did not explain the human bones scattered around the encampment. I'm sorry. <laughs> we skipped right the fuck over that. And that was the joke I was about to make. Was like he obligingly showed him his, them his camp where there were just human bones, just just, <laughs> just out, all over, just out, just scattered. I want to know how they end up scattered. Like, is he just walking around, like picking yeah, the bones clean, just tossing them on the ground? Gagnon toss. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Gagnon, Gagnon produced a skull, which Swift Runner willingly told him was that of his wife. Some of the bones were dry and hollow, empty even of marrow. Ooh. Wild. A small moccasin had been stuffed inside the skull of Swift Runner's mother. A beating needle still sticking out of the unfinished work. Without much prodding, Swift Runner, Swift Runner revealed what had happened to the rest of his family. This is Swift Runner's tale. 
Ooh, At first, Swift Runner became haunted by dreams. A Wendigo spirit called on him to consume the people around him. The spirit crept through his mind, gradually taking control. This is, I'm sorry, this is about to be a beautiful illustration of how mental health disorders affect you differently based on your culture. That does yeah. not necessarily mean that this is a something that can only affect one culture. It's just I just how... want to point the difference out. It's like your experience shapes the way your brain presents things to you. So if you were maybe having thoughts about cannibalism, instead of being visited by a spirit, you might start hallucinating or having compulsive thoughts or something like that. Just because you grew up in modern America and not 1800s Cree territory. Yeah, I have a strong feeling that what we're about to see is just the way uh, their culture framed a mental illness that could happen to anybody else. It's the lens that he experienced it through because of his culture. So the spirit crept through his mind, gradually taking control. Finally, he was Wendigo and Swift Runner no longer. Then the Wendigo killed and ate Swift Runner's wife. This accomplished, the Wendigo forced one of Swift Runner's boys to kill and butcher his younger brother. While enjoying this grisly repast, the spirit hung Swift Runner's infant by the neck from a lodge pole and tugged at the baby's dangling feet. It was later shown that he had also done away with Swift Runner's brother and his mother-in-law, though he did acknowledge that she had been a bit tough. That was a graphic depiction. Yeah, <laughs> so this welcome. it's like full on family annihilator level. Oh, yeah. Which wow, can you imagine yeah. though? Like, okay, I am not trying to find sympathy for like a family murderer for real, but like, can you imagine the what it would feel like to like feel as though you had been possessed and were watching someone do this to your family? Yeah, can you imagine how fucked that would be? That probably broke this man's brain forever. Yep. That whatever semblance of sanity was left when it started. Fully explains why he's just fully casually just like, yeah, here's some bones. Like, that's truly wild to me. Something short circuits in your brain. Because I dissociate. Like, I understand what that feels like. And imagine you dissociate so hard that you become a Wendigo. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's crazy. Not crazy, but like, insane to imagine. Like, anyway. No, it was it was rough the first time it happened to me. Yeah. yeah. So, um, all right. Um, We've so all been there. The revolted mounted police party hauled Swift Runner and the mutilated evidence back to Fort Saskatchewan. The trial began on August eighth, eighteen seventy nine. Swift Runner was tried for murder and cannibalism by a jury that included three English speaking Cree half breeds, half breeds, four men well up well up in the Cree language, and a Cree man who translated the proceedings. A leading Cree English scholar was also brought in (laughs) to reserve the trial and ensure Swift Runner knew what was being said. Swift Runner sat calmly throughout the testimony. So here's a lesson for all of you guys. Um, If you do something bad enough, they will treat you like a human. (laughs) So Swift Runner sat calmly throughout the testimony of witnesses who described the family being in perfect health when they had headed out to the woods. Then Swift Runner coming out of the forest alone. There was no evidence presented in Swift Runner's defense. Asked if he wanted to say anything, he simply responded, I did it. Some said Swift Runner had developed a taste for cannibalism years earlier when he was forced to eat the remains of a starved hunting partner to save himself. The judge and jury did not view the Wendigo idea in the same light as the Cree. They saw Swift Runner as a murderer, and the trapper made no attempt to hide his guilt. 
Stipendiary Magistrate Richardson quickly sentenced him to be hanged. This makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. The sentence presented a problem. The police had never before conducted an execution. Although the Hudson's Bay Company had once hanged an employee for murder. I guess they'd only been there for a few years, he said. Okay, yeah. This was, for all intents and purposes, the first formal execution in Western Canada. SAS Sergeant Fred Bagley was put in charge of the arrangements. A gallows was erected within the Ford enclosure. Can you imagine being the guy that has to pull the lever on this? Mm -hmm. This, The craziest case you will ever see in your whole life? What? So a gallows was erected within the Ford enclosure at Fort Saskatchewan, and an old army pensioner named Rogers was made hangman. On the appointed morning... They made an old man do it? Yeah. Literally old man Rogers. Yeah. (laughs) Word. You know what? That's the that's a decision I agree with here. <laughs> like let an old man do it. You know he's lived on the appointed appointed morning. A bitterly cold December twentieth, Swift Runner was led to the scaffold. Did you just say twentieth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because the thing says a bitterly cold December twenty, and then my brain said twenty, and then I realized that doesn't sound right, and tried to say twentieth, but I'd already said twenty. So the twentieth, twentieth, twentieth. <laughs> Um, standing over the trap door, the unrepentant cannibal was given the opportunity to address the large crowd that had gathered. He openly acknowledged his guilt and thanked his jailers for their kindness, then berated his guard for making him wait in the cold. <laughs> what? <laughs> Damn. You know, <laughs> it only gets more metal. Yeah. He's this like, man to, to is those like, of you who brought me my food. ice demon who killed... The previous inhabitants' family. Thank you. Now, it's fucking cold. Can we get this over with? <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> like, to everyone who uh, took care of me while I was in the jail. Thank uh, you. You gen- were great. Genuinely appreciate it. You guys were great. To the fucking asshole who's been making me stand out here in the cold while I wait to get hung. Can we just fucking get it over with? No. Well, take a second. <laughs> Nowadays, we view a psychosis what the Cree thought to be the work of the Wendigo spirit. At one time... In the belt of parkland that borders in northern plains, it was far from being a rare phenomenon. Usually the symptoms were the same as those displayed by Swift Runner. And in one way or another, most of the afflicted Wendigos met similar violent death. It was pitch black and brutally cold when Swift Runner was led from his cell at Fort Saskatchewan Jail to start his long, last walk toward the gallows that awaited outside in the swirling snow. Swift Runner had been told to prepare for death and seemed to have heeded the advice. He walked confidently into the yard, seeming much calmer than many of those who were there to watch him die. Most of the 60 people gathered near the gallows had never seen a hanging, and they were nervous and anxious about what was going to happen. Sheriff Edward Richard had been delayed by the snow and weather and was flustered by his late arrival at the fort. The hangman, too, appeared nervous. The execution had been ordered to take place at 7.30 a.m. on December 20th, 1879. With less than half an hour to go, it was discovered that the crowd had taken the trap door from the gallows and burned it as kindling and that the hangman had forgotten to bring straps to bind the prisoner's arms. Oh my God. They'd never done it before. That's fair. I <laughs> guess. It still seems like maybe you like get a checklist from a town that has more experience <laughs> than you. Right. Like, There's not one person in this. T- Old man Rogers has never seen this happen. before. Right. Like <laughs> s- send a letter like up the road, you know, whatever. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a couple dozen miles to the next town. Maybe just send a guy up there well, with a letter. No, see, the like, problem with that is, is in between here and the next town, that guy might be a Wendigo too. Oh yeah. yeah. He might you never know how many are out there. You never know. 
As the sheriff and hangman rushed to get the scaffold ready again, Swiftrunner sat near one of the fires that had been lighted nearby. Oh, good. They, they put him by a fire. Yeah. He doesn't have to wait in the cold anymore. Joking, chatting, snacking, and snacking. The thick noose hanging loose around his M- neck. He was not snacking. Yeah. What? <laughs> he was what a fucking guy. What a <laughs> legend. guy. Real. Yeah. Like, not for the murdering his family thing, but for the fucking, the attitude. I'm just picturing him, like, kicking his feet up, eating some popcorn around the fire with the other guys. So, like, <laughs> just sitting there. But so, then I, then what are you guys going to do when you leave here today? I thought that this is a man who was probably in the middle of a psychotic, psychotic breakdown that's in true. which he thought he was possessing his own body. Yeah, that's fair. So, you know, he was, that's take, very you sad. You take the bad with the good. That's very, very sad, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he actually stated, I could kill myself with a tomahawk and save the hangman further trouble. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't want to like this man. <laughs> I do not want to like this man. But but, but that's badass. Like, <laughs> hey, man, I'm going to just real quick to save you the trouble. I could you, do it. I could do this. I could do it. <laughs> be real, real quick, one, two, it's done. I... <laughs> You can send old man Jenkins, Rogers, old man Rogers. J- old man Rogers, send old man Rogers home. I'll do it. I got it. <laughs> what? Two, uh, <laughs> two hours after Swift Runner was led to the gallows, the execution was finally ready to proceed. Oh my God. He was allowed to eat one final pound of pemmican, which is a mixture of tallow, dried meat, and sometimes dried berries. Pound? A pound. A pound. Yes. Fuck. <laughs> Before he was bound- I mean, you eat half-pound hamburgers. Yeah. I, true, Plus fries but and bread and lettuce and shit. I don't know if I could eat a pound of any one thing. It would not be easy. <laughs> if you're about to die. Eat a big-ass steak. Uh, that sounds he's like... Wendigo. He's never satisfied. That's no. true. Oh, there you go. Ooh, Maybe that's true, why. Maybe true. they were trying to make him heavier, you know, since he ate. He grew a little more bigger jerk on the... I don't know if that's... Well, technically... I, it, he's definitely a pound heavier. He well, was he was plus bound the snacks. He was bound True. tightly with rope and taken to the scaffold, where a thick black hood was placed over his head. Just before the trap fell, Swift Runner said, "I am no longer a man," and Swift Runner went down with fearful force, there being a drop of five feet. The Daily Evening Mercury reported, "He died without a struggle. The body was cut down in an hour, and buried in the snow outside the fort." But so that's the story. Yeah, I'm sticking to it. Um, yeah, like I was saying, that 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 depiction was that was that was a rough one. Gra- we're yeah. sorry about that one. We might put a warning at the top for that one. 